Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. If you're interested in multifamily real estate, but don't know how or where to begin, our guide on how to start investing in multifamily real estate breaks down everything you need to know about identifying good investments plus real world examples. Download your copy in the show notes or visit lifebridgecapital.com forward slash start now to start your journey in multifamily real estate. This is your daily real estate syndication show. And we're introducing some new segments called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we are bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe added a lot of value to you in your syndication journey. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell so you can continue to know when new shows come out. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Chris Raleigh. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, Whitney. Glad to be here. You mentioned that, you know, each farm is very unique, right? It's specialized. And or you see one farm, you've seen one farm. So let's talk about that. You know, that can be scary as a new investor, right? And, you know, thinking through, well, investing in a farm, I've never even heard of that before or thought about that being an option to diversify in. Maybe you could even, before we get into that, speak to why invest in a farm and where are these farms at that you're investing in? Mm -hmm. So the first thing to know is agriculture, farming is just another form of real estate. So you're taking a piece of land and you're producing value with that land. And in our case, we do some very unique types of offerings with agriculture. Most people, when they think of farming, they, they probably think of like row crop farming, driving down the highway and seeing acres and acres of corn or soybeans or cotton or whatever. And that's a very typical form of agriculture that farmland REITs that a lot of people are institutions are investing in where they're buying these large tracts of lands and then paying somebody to farm it for them and they pay them rent. So in that way, it's like agriculture or it's like, you know, any other kind of real estate for us, we're focused on some very unique verticals in farming. One of those is indoor agriculture. So this is where somebody takes a piece of land and either builds a, a greenhouse on it or they're taking an existing building. And it might be a building that was converted for another use. It might have been a warehouse or an industrial building, that sort of thing. And they're putting vertical farms in them, hydroponic farms. So they're growing food indoors. And the reason we like that, that we're kind of bullish on this indoor agriculture is because one, it's called controlled environment agriculture because you're essentially controlling the environment. You're taking a lot of the weather equations out of it, a lot of the weather unpredictability and risks that come with droughts and things like that, come with pest infestations and things like that. You're taking that out and you're doing it very sustainable. And more importantly, you're growing food closer to where it's consumed. So you're taking a lot of the supply chain risk out as well. So we like indoor farming in particular. Indoor farming. I think that's interesting. Indoor ag. It's not something we thought of before, really, or, or especially, you know, thought about investing in. Tell me about as far as this type of asset class as a passive investor, what should they be asking? You know, somebody like yourself or an operator? What do we need to know? Because obviously, it'd be brand new to most. How do we find somebody that's an experienced operator and know what to ask? A lot of people that have been in it for decades, there are some. And for us, the ideal sort of sponsor for us to syndicate an indoor ag deal, the, the ideal sponsor has a 
a nice mix of growing experience, but also business experience, in some cases, real estate development experience, because that's what you're talking about here. You're taking either an empty piece of land and putting a large greenhouse, you know, multi-million dollar greenhouse on it, or you're taking abandoned vacant industrial building and you're putting in the right environmental controls, HVAC, lighting, humidity, and then the actual system for growing the produce. So you want somebody that's got, you know, that business experience in an operator, but also somebody on their team, at least, that knows how to grow things. Because indoor farming, it looks very push button and automated, but it's still hard work. They're still out there planning and harvesting. And although there's some systems that take out some of the, take out, like I said, some of the variables from compared to outdoor farming. Are most people operating the farm, like most operators, you know, if I'm investing with someone, that operator, are they most of the time operating the farm operation also, or is that hired out sometimes? How do we look at that? Yeah, in our experience, they are. I mean, the principals may not be out there actually planting and and harvesting the tomatoes inside or whatever, but someone on their team is. So it's not like they're hiring a third party operator. For the most part, we haven't seen that, that sort of model yet. It's the actual teams that are putting together the deals that are either running themselves in some cases and actually doing the farming or bringing somebody on board to do that. Our guest is Peter Badger. Thanks for being on the show again, Peter. Pleasure, Whitney. It was great to be here. Give us kind of a feel for what this is, and then we'll jump into some of the risk metrics and different things like that so the listener and myself can just learn more about this and and maybe even consider it as an opportunity. Yeah, so so let's jump into the farmland side of things. So we kind of stumbled on it, in all honesty, because you invest in stuff where you are networking and people around you who have been to the same things. So fortunately, we were digital nomads for three or four years. We traveled the world and we were doing real estate, a lot of short-term rental, you know, looking for lifestyle investments, let's call it, to enhance the multifamily in the US. And we started seeing agriculture pop up everywhere. And there's two flavors of it broadly. There's either syndication, just like a value add, people will take a large plot of land in Central South America. They'll lay the irrigation, clear it of trees. They'll then plant a crop. And you'll wait for a few years for the crop to grow and et cetera, et cetera. And that's the syndication side. It's like a value-add multifamily, but you're producing fruit and vegetables instead of tenanted multifamily buildings. On the other side of that is land owned or titled in your name. And so you can go to certain operators who will have done that, that have produced the crop. It will be income producing. Then they'll basically divide that up into titled hectares, which is 2.2 acres for people who aren't into hectares. And they'll basically then sell you that land income producing at that time. Because if you think about this life cycle here, patient capital invests in the bare land, waits for the four, five, six years for that crop to grow, and then they can resell that later for profit to that patient capital coming at the start of the syndication. So kind of think of it in two buckets, syndicated value add, just like multifamily and or titled income producing hectares in their own right. Nice. That's so interesting. Are you participating in both sides of that, you know, or is that something you're active in? Yeah, we are. And actually we were similar. We were patient capital in a bunch of deals up front, actually. And we are also now brokering some of those lots on the back end because we've sat there for four or five years waiting for that crop to grow. And we're wanting to actually help our position as an LP in a syndication deal to then actually help the investors realize some of the profits. And more importantly, 
to share that. We're trying to kind of make sure that everybody can access it because there's also two sides to think about here, depending where you are as a listener. In a syndication, all of these things are still within the SEC purview. Therefore, you have to be accredited. But with titled farmland, it's just like buying real estate, just like buying a house. And so you can take title, you can be a non-accredited investor. So our goal is both you know, LPs and investors ourselves is to basically try and democratize farmland ownership. And, and we'll talk about that in a second because, because from my perspective, it's like you have to go through this journey of understanding the risks and returns of these asset classes. To me, I kind of like have gone up the, up the chain over the years. You know, single family homes, most people back into a 8% cap rate or return. You go into value add multifamily, you can squeeze out 15 to 20%. And so where does agriculture fit in that scale? Well, honestly, syndications can match multifamily, go even higher, depending on where they are in Central South America, for instance. And then like a single family home, when you buy productive farmland, you can expect 11 to 15 to 17% year on year for decades. And there's, you know, it's not all these things like you buy a single family home. Oh, I mean, your roof probably has what, 20, 25, 30 years max. In farmland, you plant a coconut tree, it'll last for 40 to 60 years. There's no tenants moving out, trashing your farm. <laughs> you know, there's no major rehab costs for tenant turnover. There's, you know, it's basically the key to think about it is as I go up the, the different asset classes, I kind of kept getting advice from different people, experts in this space. And they were like, listen, single family home, you've got to maintain all this infrastructure for one family. Multifamily, you scale, don't you? Your expenses spread across a number of apartment units. Even better is mobile home parks, because in most cases, it's a concrete pad with utility hookups. And you get up to farmland, which actually is a bare plot of land. You plant it, and you're really maintaining the crop. And so there's no you know, roofs, air conditioners, you know, the three T's, tenants, trash, and toilets. So it is a very different asset class with different risks, which we can talk through today. Yeah, I want us to jump into that because I want us to be able to hammer out some risks. But you're doing this internationally. Why internationally and not in the U.S.? Multiple reasons. The two predominant ones are the cost of land is so much cheaper overseas and the cost of labor is so much cheaper overseas. And so the weird thing is, is that there is a ton of farming overseas. The problem is there's no way for them to get that crop to our markets where it's you know most profitable. And so what we do is we look for operators who operate in Central South America, cheap land, cheap labor, multi-generational farming. It's all there in the right climate, avoiding the hurricane belt, for instance. But then also we can then take that produce, pack it, put it through shipping in containers up to markets in Europe, US, wherever we can get the most profit for it. And really what we're doing, again, is, is we're not only trying to democratize the ownership of farmland generally from a purchase standpoint, we're also trying to help these farmers earn more money locally because their crop can actually command much higher prices in Europe and the U.S. Nice. Let's jump into some of the risk metrics just so, you know, the listener and myself can be thinking through these things as maybe we're thinking about investing, you know, in this way. For me, we had to create our own risk matrix. If you're in the multifamily space, you all know how to value it. There are standard spreadsheets. You can pull them down from the internet. You know, yes, they require a bit of finagling, but people generally understand the value of a multifamily building is related to the net operating income. And you can back into the right numbers and value stuff and 
you can then model out those risks based upon population growth, job growth, all those metrics, crime rates, you name it. So the key to investing in agriculture is it's like investing in any private company. And so we actually built a 10-point risk matrix, and it was around, you know, bucket one was three years around product. You know, what is the crop you're going to be producing? You want to understand the market price history and projections, like rent projections. What's your market price and history and projections of your crop? And maybe we'll talk about a couple of crops like coconuts and limes as an example. So you can go out to major websites, public websites, and you can look, for instance, on the Rungis wholesale market in Paris, how much you know the price of a kilo of limes is this week. And so you can start to basically trust and verify the data. You know, you'll be given a syndication model or a farmland ownership model, and you're looking for the price of the fruit. What's their assumption of the price of that fruit? Average throughout the year because it's seasonal. And you can kind of go out there and verify that data against known public sources of true, you know, kilos of lime pricing on the internet. And so, you know, in that product area is the growth and yield cycles. How long does it take since you plant a lime tree versus a coconut tree to produce the initial crop and then mature the full crop? What diseases are there? Longevity of transport and storage. You know, coconuts is so versatile. You can like get green coconuts, they can be mature coconuts, they can last a long time. Compared to citrus fruits, you've probably got, you know, 18 to 30 days to transport them from the farm to the market to sell. You can put them in cold storage, last up to 60 days and put the right temperature. There's all these things around the product need to consider from that side. And, you know, sales, distribution, branding, the transport, logistics, trade and customs. How do you actually make sure that you can actually get your crop from Colombia or Panama through the port system into the US or Europe. That's something the operator better have figured out, right? This is right. And so we have all these areas that you can ask those questions. And, and you know, as always, only use operators who have done it before. Look for the track record. And that's the key to this thing. So that's kind of the bucket one. What product are you into? And what are the pros and cons of that product from a farming, sales, and distribution standpoint? Wow. Are any other risk metrics that are just key to you, Peter, that you know, we need to just know that we need to ask that operator about? Yeah. So the second major bucket for us is the investment itself, you know, the country or the region, you know, obviously political stability. Don't buy farm in Venezuela. <laughs> That's a cheap offer of advice there. Economic aspects around the currency. You know, so Panama is in USD. There's going to be currency risk depending on certain countries. There's climate environmental, the weather avoiding you know i do central south america because the hurricane belt comes around the caribbean and sweeps up the east coast of the u.s it doesn't hit colombia it doesn't hit panama that's just one of the great things about those locations plentiful water sources has to be the right point on the planet you know equator has to be in those the certain areas where we're going to get plentiful water decent soils etc you know another reason we don't invest in the u.s by the way is because the soil's been ruined by big ag by pesticides by over farming you know, so you've got to go in places where we can guarantee better soils and, and better care of the land, so to speak. And then, you know, investment structure, jurisdiction, the banking, you know, ownership structure. Is this a Cayman entity or is it a Delaware made normal for U.S. investors? There's all these aspects around the investment itself. And of course, you know, all the regular financial aspects of the project distributions, timeline, capital buffer, 
you know, the returns you're expecting. Is it value-add or steady annuity stream for 60 years? So there's a big bucket around the investment itself and those aspects. And then, you know, finally, the big third bucket is the team, as always. I tell people you are not making an investment in anything other than the people. Because honestly, they're the ones who have the experience, multi-generational farming experience. They understand how to do all the transport, trade, customs, logistics, how to sell in certain markets. They have that track record or they don't. Uh, they have the language, the culture, the location. You know, I would not deal with a, sorry to put in these terms, but a local team who has no English and or no expectation what American investors require. So I'm looking for those dual nationals, I'm looking for Colombian born who have been educated in the US understand what our expectations are in terms of what an investment should look like or a purchase of land sale. And they then go back down to their home country. They're culturally adept at fitting in, making sure they don't get taken for a ride, the gringo effect, I call it. And so you're looking for those kind of like, you know, let's say mixed culture individuals with the American aspect of knowing how to build businesses and show these investments. So that's the big third bucket, the team, as always. Our guest is Evie Brooks. Thanks for being on the show, Evie. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. I'm glad you had me. Your focus is agriculture. Agriculture is my passion. I really, really love the agricultural side of it. And Panama has opened up doors for agriculture around the world. And of course, with the pandemic and everything that's gone on with that, it's a new buzzword. It's an essential item. Food is essential. So sure is. We have such an influx of interest for this because of what's happened with the COVID-19. So, you know, I guess it go in a little bit about, I mean, like you said, it is essential. Obviously, we all have to eat. Everybody <laughs> does, right? We enjoy it too, which is a plus, or we hope. But why is agriculture one of the just the best real estate investments? Well, there's a number of different reasons. But first of all, with any investment, one of the things that I'm looking at is the underlying asset. It's never going to just disappear and vanish. Then with the agriculture, you've got a stream of income. You've got, and it's a business in addition to the assets. So you've got an ongoing stream of income. You don't have to wonder, am I going to be able to get renters? Or am I not going to be able to get renters? I mean, I have a lot of assets and clients that have assets, condominiums in Panama that are 100% occupied and have been for months now because of COVID. But yes, everybody's still eating. So I know you said uh, you elaborate a little bit there, but, you know, why agriculture, why Panama, why not agriculture in the States somewhere or in another country? Well, because I've never found the opportunities that I found in Panama. And the reason that is, is because with so many other places, there's plenty of farmers to produce the food. Well, when one of the companies that I work with came to Panama and realized there's no farmers to actually get their food to transport because there's not even enough food in the country to feed their people. 85% of all food required in Panama is imported into the country. But yet there was all this virgin land throughout the interior of Panama that had never been used. And the USDA came in and immediately granted USDA certified organic. And so very large company, one of the ones that we work with, has huge operations in Peru hundreds of thousands of acres of land that they farm, but they have a co-op. Well, they came into Panama, they couldn't put together a co-op because there were not enough farmers to have a co-op. So they have created a concept called a reverse co-op where they bought the land or they put options on the land 14, 15 years ago. And then they purchase the land and then sell it to the 
want to be farmers like myself, and I want to be a farmer. I just don't want to be out there hoeing those rows. I want somebody else in a partnership where I own the land, I own the asset, and I partner with this large management, farm management company, and they do all the work and I get the lion's share of the profits. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So what about just the, is this something that you can create passive income from and what, you know, is this a high return or what kind of risks and things like that? Well, you've got several different investment opportunities. And the first one that we started with was called a farm in a box concept. And that concept was a situation where you bought the land and the trees and the trees are long-term income producing trees, mangoes, limes, and avocados. They produce for 50, 60, 70, maybe even 80 years. So most of us are not going to be around when that's no longer a concern. But with the farm in the box, you actually own the underlying asset, which is the dirt. And when the trees start producing, your income continues to go up year over year. And it takes four years for that income to start coming in. And so many of our investors are retired people that's wanting to put their assets to work, like their IRAs, their 401ks, their 403bs, their pension funds. And they're like, well, I'm not going to be here in 50 or 60 years. I'm not even going to be here in 30 years. (laughs) So waiting four years to start seeing a return for some people is a concern. On the flip side of that, a lot of those people are looking for legacy investments. So it just depends on the individual person and what they're looking for. But then we started getting into greenhouse smart farming and hydroponics. And that is a whole different animal. It produces, you start seeing returns in 24 months. It is a machine because no matter what happens in the elements, the the weather, the torrential rains, the strong winds, you're still going to have production inside these greenhouses. They are massive. They're one hectare, which is two and a half acre greenhouse. They produce, they rotational crops on a 10 to 20 week basis, depending on if it's melons or berries or cucumbers or whatever. So you've pretty much got a money printing machine because it's controlled. You don't have the pest and the insects and you don't have the weather issues. And so it's a whole different mindset. And it just depends on, there's not a right or wrong. They're both wonderful investments. But your return on investment, typically what we refer to as an internal rate of return, you're going to see on the low end, 10, 11, 12 percent on the high end, 16, 17 percent. We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.